If you would turn in your Bibles to Acts chapter 2, and I want to set this up just a little bit. Um, Before uh, we found ourselves in the middle of a pandemic, we had been working our way through a five-part series called Five Keys to Being a Kingdom Community. After we got through the fourth key, we got we went a different direction. <laughs> this has been about two months ago, and we purposely uh, decided to just forego the series uh, and and deal with some other topics throughout the last several weeks. But I felt like today being the first day that that we're able to gather back together, that uh, we would finish that series today. Let me give you the, 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 uh, today we're going to talk about the effect of corporate praise and worship, which is what we just did. Uh, the first session in this series was entitled Rescue the Perishing. And you just have to, it's still on the podcast or you can get a CD if you want those, these messages. Unfortunately, as it is now, we don't have videos of these. We do have videos of all the ones over the last two months that are on the YouTube channel. But uh, Rescue the Perishing, the second week was a disciple, be one, make one. And the third session we entitled The Effect of Fellowship on Followers of Christ. And then the last session that we covered was the Together of Community Life. All four of these, again, are still available on on the podcast and CDs. And these are all keys to our being a kingdom community. And we find that in Acts chapter 2. Today we're going to take a look at the corporate nature of the early church as it relates to praising and worshiping the Lord as one and what that means to us. Now, corporate gathering or corporate worship, obviously, it's nicer if we can be in one place, But it still works if we're not. We have a bunch of our family members watching from their homes this morning, and they're just as much a part of this as we are. Corporate means together. You can be together and not be in the same room, especially when we're talking about something like this. Acts chapter 2, verse 42, is the the verses that we will read uh, regarding this early church and the birth of the early church. So if you would stand with me while I read the Scripture... I'm going to read through verse 47, and it says in the in the English Standard Version, and they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and the fellowship, to the breaking of bread and the prayers, and awe or fear came upon every soul, and many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles. And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. You can be seated. We have these early believers who have just, they've still got the the singes, singes on their hair from the Holy Spirit fire that has come on the day of Pentecost. And they're finding their way through. And how are we going to live this life together? Everything is changed. And so they they develop this life together. And, of course, the first four sessions that we covered deal with, you know, the, the 42, 43, 45 in that area. And, and then we read this description of them. It, it's, it, I see it as a twofold description, and the first part of it is they were attending the temple together. They were attending the the, the temple structure, the physical structure of the temple together as believers. And then the second part of this says that they were breaking bread in their homes. So we have twofold here, in the temple, in the homes. And, of course, we, for some time in Abundant Life Church, and we're not the only ones, have been emphasizing uh, the small groups and the home groups and the, the smaller settings uh, for, that we can join together in. But they were doing this in the early church. 
attending the temple and breaking bread. And it says that with gratitude, they were praising God together. This is the key. Now, you've heard me say many times that worship is not limited to singing songs. It's not li- limited to, to coming to church. It's not limited to... But, but we're, we're specifically talking today about corporate praise and worship. Specifically. When we, when we are together in some form and we are worshiping God together. Luke, in his first book that he wrote to Theophilus, Acts is the second one, he writes this, and look, I didn't put a slide for it, but it's Luke 24, 52, and they worshiped him, they the disciples, and returned to Jerusalem with great joy. Why were they returning to Jerusalem with great joy? Because he told them, you go to Jerusalem and wait for the Holy Spirit. Wait for the promise that I've given you. Wait in Jerusalem and something's going to happen. So they went to Jerusalem. You know why they had great joy? They were expecting something. Let me tell you something. Let me, let me ask you something. There's a better way to word this. When you come together with God's people, come expecting something to happen. I don't mean people running down the aisles and turning backflips and jump out. Anyway, you know, if they do that, we'll, that's okay. We'll, we'll, anyway, I'm talking about something's going to happen inside of you. If you come expecting. It says, they returned to Jerusalem with great joy and were continually, everybody say continually. See, I couldn't do this while y'all were gone. I started doing it a few times, but I, I knew I wasn't going to hear you. But anyway. And we're continually in the temple praising and blessing God. Amen. Amen. Continually. They were in the temple praising and blessing God. Corporate. It's a corporate nature of what they were doing. They were doing it together. And they were just finding their way. I'd say they found their way pretty good. They set us a great example. And so then we get into this. Okay, why is corporate worship important to us? Why do we even talk about it? Why do we do it? Why do we gather? I don't like dealing with negative, but there's too many folks out there today trying to uh, negate the idea of gathering together. Well, instruction and tradition. Instruction and tradition gives us the reason why. In Exodus 12, on the first day, you shall have a holy assembly. You shall have a holy assembly and another holy assembly on the seventh day. God prescribed that his people gather together in a holy assembly. Deuteronomy 16, he says, on the seventh day, there shall be a solemn assembly to the Lord your God. Now, that doesn't mean everybody comes together with long faces that kind of solemn. It means that we come together recognizing that we're, when we're in God's presence, we're on holy ground. It can be this ground or it can be that ground out there. It could be the ground of your living room. But when we're together and we're praising and worshiping God and we know God's there, that's holy ground. And then that's instruction. Then we have tradition. And by the way, if tradition is rooted in instruction, there's nothing wrong with tradition. Well, I wish I'd have got an amen there, but okay. <laughs> y- y'all are pretending it was last week still. Okay. On a- in Acts 20, it says, On the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread. There are other scriptures that refer to that. On the first day of the week when we were gathered together. In other words, he's saying this is a normal occurrence for us. That on the first day of the week, we're going to get together. On the first day of the week, we're going to gather. And we're going to worship. We're going to praise. We're going to do all the things. Now, I'm not going to ask you to turn to Exodus 25. But if you're a note taker, you're going to want to write some things down. Because God gives a prescription here. For what he wants from his kids, uh, and again, I'm not going to read all these verses. I guess William's got them on the screen. Yeah, you can just make note and read it later. But he, he goes through these instructions to the children of Israel. In verse 1 he says, or actually verse 2, Speak to the people of Israel that they may take for me a contribution 
from every man whose heart. See, you, you think we're t- receiving an offering, don't you? We already did that. And then uh, he says, bring an offering. Call the people or speak to the people and bring an offering. How many of you understand God doesn't need your money? By the way, we do, but God doesn't. (laughs) Thank you for being faithful during this time. I read an article this morning that 50% of the churches, Protestant churches, have seen a a tremendous decline in their giving during this pandemic. One church went from $1,500 a week, they're a small church, obviously, of offerings to, he says, we're lucky to have $10 in the offering plate. And obviously, thank God for God's people because there are 40% of the churches that I read that had seen an increase. And I hadn't talked to Rob, but I'd say if we have done anything, we've had an increase in giving. Over the, and you know who that's credit to? The Lord Jesus Christ and you in that order. So enough about offerings. He said, call the people, have them bring an offering. And the reason I said God doesn't need your money because he really wants your heart. Jesus said, where your money is, there will your heart be also. Okay. Y'all going to think I'm preaching about money. I'm not. I'm just telling you what he said. He said, call the people and then tell them to bring an offering. And then in verse 8 of this of this 25th chapter, he says this. And let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell in their midst. Let them build me something. Let them build me a place that I can dwell with them. So first of all, build a house and then so that I may dwell in their midst. Now, you know, we're not building physical houses today. I mean, obviously, this one was built. In 1988, 1988, this building was built, and we don't have to build another one, hopefully. He's talking about in New Testament times, and where we live, there's something else going on. Build a, build a sanctuary. Build a house. Build a place. And the reason I want you to do that is because I want to dwell with them. And then in verse, if you're taking notes, verse 22, he says these, these statements. He says, uh, there I will meet with you. And from above the mercy seat, from above the cherubim that are on the Ark of the Testimony. And then he says, I will speak with you. So I will meet with them and I will speak with them. When you gather together, when we gather together in a setting like this, we call the people, we bring an offering. The main offering God wants when we call you together is you. (laughs) That's the main offering he wants. He wants you. And then he says, now build build a sanctuary, build a house so I can dwell with them. And then I'm going to meet with them and I'm going to speak to them. What? Are, hey, what other motivation do we need to gather together? Now, Lord, help me. This is not a beat you up, be here on you know every Sunday for church. This is not that. I mean, especially during this time. As I said last week, you are not going to get a call from me saying, where have you been? You're not going to get that. It's not, that's not what this is about. This is about the effect of gathering corporately. And in this case, we have people gathered corporately at home and we're gathered corporately in this room. We're all worshiping the same God. So that brings us to being able to have a corporate expression, a corporate expression of what we are and who we are and who we worship, the dynamic of our relationship to God, that it is a corporate one and not just an individual one. Did you see the word just? We do have an individual relationship with God, but it's not just an individual one. We have a corporate relationship with God. It necessitates a corporate expression and the corporate dialogue of revelation and response. The fact that we are a body of people and all the other churches in the area or any other area are a body of people. We have, we have people who have had a, an experience with Jesus Christ who are now God has made them part of something. You know, we, we've said over and over that church is organic before it's organizational. And the truth is, if you've got to be one or the other, just be organic. God, God knows. 
as a guy named Monty Wilson who wrote a book entitled Church Orama or Corporate Worship. <laughs> I'd like to Anyway, here's what he says. For the modern evangelical worship is defined exclusively in terms of the individual's experience. Worship then is not about adoring God, but about being nourished with religious feelings. So much so that the worshiper has become the object of worship. When we study the ancient approach, the biblical approach to worship, however, we see that the church did not overly concern itself with feelings of devotion, but rather with heartfelt and biblically informed obedience. Moreover, believers had a firm grasp on the fact that when they gathered as a church, their worship was to be a corporate expression. Church worship was not a gathering of individuals, but of the body of Christ. And that's who we are today. We are a corporate gathering. Yes, each one of us will stand before God's throne as individuals, but when we gather together, we are a corporate expression of him and his body, and we express the praise and worship. So what we get from Exodus 25 is that God wants to draw his people into an encounter with him. He said, I will dwell with them. That's God's priority, that he would dwell with you, and then you would you would be his subjects. One version of the old King James, one verse that says, I will walk in them. And I will dwell in them. I want you to understand the guy that's the president of religious studies, that's his whole problem. All he studies is religion. If he studied the sun, capital S-O-N, it's a different, if it's a different deal. Religion eliminates this thing of God wanting to dwell with us. Corporate worship develops the structure. Because God inhabits or is enthroned upon the praises of his people. You'll find that in Psalm 22, 3. He inhabits or is enthroned on the praises of his people. So when we gather together and we issue a corporate expression, we, we are building God a sanctuary. And then there's this idea of a corporate proclamation. When we get together, watch this verse, Psalm 22, 22. I will tell of your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. What? I, I will tell of your name to my brethren in the midst of the assembly. I will praise you. In other words, when we gather in this setting and we begin to sing these songs, especially when we sing these songs. And by the way, we sing songs with good lyrics. We don't have blather up there. We don't have shallow songs about me. But we sing songs that exalt and magnify the Lord God. Amen. And we sing songs that are, have truth embedded in them. And so when we proclaim the truth, we're proclaiming it to one another. We're proclaiming it to the person that can hear us. And I know some of you think, well, I don't want anybody to hear me sing. Uh, that's not what we're talking about. Psalm 111 says, praise the Lord. I will give thanks to the Lord with all my heart in the company of the upright and in the assembly. There is a corporate proclamation. Jack Hayford wrote, worship that refuses to move beyond entertainment and stimulation will over time display a tendency to corrupt itself. Contemporary worship must move beyond stimulation to transformation and incarnation. Amen. That's got to be our goal when we gather. Got to be. A worship experience that, that does not propel us to our mission is a faulty one at best. Or, as Brother Charles Simpson said one time, we were gathered with the elders. We had just finished dinner. We were riding down the road. And Brother Charles said, a worship that does not move you to mission is deception. Think about it. Worship that does not motivate us to mission is actually deception. And the reason for that is it becomes about us. 
If it doesn't move me to mission, it's got to be about something, so it's going to be about me. Hmm. And then I was thinking about the heavenly gathering. Do you know that when we gather corporately, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, 53, 153, or 3, that we are worshiping God and we are joining together with the heavenly host. Think about that. There's a whole host of heaven that's, that when we, when we start singing, we're joining them. By the way, they don't gather every Sunday at 930 in heaven. This is a lifestyle with them. And they worship God and we join with them. But there's this, there's this heavenly gathering going on. And, you know, somebody said, I sure wish you'd teach from Revelation sometime. Well, here you go. I have no idea what any of this stuff means, but it sure is nice sounding. Um, verse 13, 513 says, I heard every creature. Oh, by the way, he, he begins, he goes through this process of hearing, seeing the lamb, then the elders, and then the, he, by the time he gets to 13, he's covered everything. But he says, then I heard every creature. Everybody say every. every. How many is that? You passed your math lesson for today. Every creature in heaven and on earth and under the earth, figure that one out, and in the sea and all that is in them saying to him who sits on the throne and to the Lamb be blessing and glory, honor, honor and glory and might forever and ever. Every creature. I heard every creature. That includes us, by the way. We're on the earth. Everything, everything that Within the whole universe. He says, I heard them giving glory and honor to God. Every creature in heaven. Every creature on the earth. Every creature under the earth. Every creature in the sea. And they're proclaiming to him. Say to him. I can't emphasize that enough. Our worship and praise have to be to him. Who sits on the throne. Be blessing and honor and glory and might forever. And then there's this picture. Mama in Revelation 19. By the way, if if you want church to be quiet. Don't go to heaven. You're going to be miserable. After this, I heard what seemed to be the loud voice of a great multitude in heaven. Crying out, hallelujah. Salvation and glory and power belong to our God for his Judgments are true and just, for he has judged the great prostitute who corrupted the earth with her her immorality and has avenged on her the blood of his servants. This great multitude joined together to proclaim praises to God and about the Lord. And he says, God's judgments are true. God's judgments are just. He is avenged. On her, this spirit of the Jezebel, the blood of his servants. By the way, leave the avenging to God. Now, should I say this, Lord? Mm. A lot of us, and I said us, we want to get on some folks today. We read the news and we see the social media. Well, some of us do. And we, we want to get on some folks. For what they've done or haven't done. What they've said and haven't said. I hope y'all read the article that I sent you a link to. If you didn't, shame on you. But if you didn't read it, go back and read it. It's in this past Wednesday's email. We want to get on some folks. And we want to straighten them out. Now there's a time and a place for that. And a group to do that. 
but leave the avenging to God. You'll find out that he don't he doesn't like you stealing from him. Did you hear what I said? He said, vengeance is mine. It belongs to God. It doesn't belong to us. And when we try to take vengeance, we're stealing from God. And then in verses 6, brace yourselves. Then I heard what seemed to be a voice of a great multitude like the roar of many waters. And like the sound of of mighty peals of thunder crying out hallelujah. When I read that verse, when I read the words like the roar of many waters, I thought of something. Charismatic Renewal Conference that took place in 1977. (laughs) If I had... Everybody raise their hand who was not even alive in 1977. There'd be a bunch of you. 43 years ago. But there was a conference that took place in Kansas City, Missouri, in the Arrowhead Stadium. Those of you who are not football fans, I will tell you that that is where the Super Bowl winning Kansas City Chiefs play their their games. Still do today. And they did then as well. Bob Mumford was speaking. Uh, He was one of the main speakers at night. We had day sessions, but at night, Bob Mumford was speaking, and he came to a place in his message, and he got interrupted. And I want you to see about two minutes of what I thought of when I read the words, the roar of many waters. Go ahead, William. many of you would understand a phrase if I said to you, one of the things that, that tends to, to cause people to lose holiness is what I call a short-timer's attitude. The short-timer's attitude in the military is a disease. If a man is signed up for four years, he does three years, and the last year he's not worth anything. Because I'm getting out in a year. Now, this is a kind of thing that's going across the body of Christ. Any minute, man, we're going to get out of here. I said, wait a minute. You're not going anywhere till He lets you. Jesus said, occupy till I come. can tell you for a fact that that went on for at least another 15 minutes because my wife and I were there. We were young whippersnappers, but we were there. And this place erupted. 45,000 people in that stadium. And it erupted. And it didn't have anything to do with what Bob said. What he said was great, but it's just the Holy Spirit said, hey, let's do this. And for us to And we were sitting, we weren't sitting on the ground. We weren't that important. 
we're sitting on the, the second level in the stadium, and we were we could watch the whole stadium from where we were. And it seemed like an hour, but it, imagine that for another fifteen minutes, you'd be running out of here, screaming and yelling, enjoy. Why would I show you that? I want you to. That's as close as I can get you to what heaven looks like. I can't get it to you any closer to what it the roars of many waters sounds like. I'm not trying to reproduce something or not trying to make something happen. I want to let you know there is a place that we can find that we can worship and praise God with with that kind of fervor. I don't know if you noticed there were Catholic nuns there. There was everybody you could find that we worshiped God together. We did it all week, but that was the only night this happened. The product of our corporate praise and worship should always be hallelujah for the Lord our God, the Almighty reigns. Let us rejoice and exult and give Him the glory. For the marriage of the Lamb has come and the bride has made herself ready. It was granted her to clothe herself with fine linen, bright and pure for the fine linen. Linen is the righteous deeds of the saints. So what would be the results? Of our corporate praise and worship with pure hearts. We'd have a unified body. When you and I are in here worshiping together with our focus on for him who sits on the throne, we're not, we're not focusing on our differences. We're not focusing on our, our things we might disagree about. We're not focusing on the things that we see differently. We see through different lenses. We're not even thinking about that. We're thinking about one thing or better yet, one person. It's a unified body. Exalting the Lord. Don't even try to turn. I'm just going to read these verses real quick. I guess they're on the screen. Yeah. And when the priest came out of the holy place... For all the priests who were present had consecrated themselves without guard to their their divisions. I don't know. I'll go through. It was the duty of the trumpeters and singers to make themselves heard in unison in praise and thanksgiving to the Lord. And when the song was raised with trumpets and cymbals and other musical instruments in praise to the Lord, for He is good, for His steadfast love endures. Forever, The house of the Lord was filled with a cloud. Another thing that happens when we gather is we draw from one another. You draw the energy from one another. I don't mean generic energy. I mean Holy Ghost energy from one another. You may come in here or a place like this on a Sunday morning and you just got the Mully Grubs, capital M, capital G, and you had to drag yourself out of bed. Of course, some of us have to do that every Sunday anyway. But we drag ourselves out of bed. And you come in here. And then before you know it, you're drawing Holy Spirit energy from people in the room. Maybe not even people sitting on your row. Just people in the room. And you feel and you sense. And you leave out the door and you say something like, I almost didn't come, but I sure am glad I did. And the other thing that happens is that we collectively proclaim the truth. There are not a bunch of truths. There's just the truth. There, you can say a truth, but I'm talking about the truth. And we collectively do that in a corporate setting. And they were doing that in the early church when they got together in the temple, in their houses, they were doing this. So come on, worship team. Guess what we're going to do? This is, while they're coming, let me just read you this. Corporate praise and worship changes us. It changes the lenses through which we see, and it changes our view of God. So this is how you're going to have an opportunity to respond to this message. You're going to have an opportunity to do it. I've asked the worship team, shoot, we're early. Do as long as you want to. We're going to do what we're going to do is called corporate praise and worship. So 
Folks at home, join in with what we're doing here and worship God together. And let's join, let's join together with the worship team this morning. Calling an audible, yeah.
your character. We don't deserve you, but you bring us your presence anyway, Lord God. We lift your name on high. We exalt you this morning. Just lift your, just lift him up. Just tell him what you enjoy about him, his character. Whatever he's done this week that you've seen him in your life, just tell him right now. Just thank him where you stand, where you sit. Right here with us in this room. At home. Just thank him for what he's done this week in your life. Because I know he's worked. Thank you, Lord, for just being there and showing me.
worship you, Lord. We exalt you. We lift you up, Father. Thank you. Thank you for Jesus. Thank you for sending us your presence to be here with us. As we leave today, thank you that you leave with us that the tabernacle that we present is the one you dwell in, which is in our hearts. Thank you for that, Father. You don't send us out into the world alone, but you're there with us, Father, giving us your strength. You're so worthy of our praise this morning, Lord. We just lift you up. Got an upbeat one? Yeah, we do. Sure we do. Got an upbeat one? Yep. Yep. And a one and a two and a three and a four. Better put the lyrics up if we're going to uh, do an upbeat one. Uh, why don't we do uh, this one right here? Uh, hey, uh, I didn't really plan on this one. Hey, let's do. You got one you want to do? You got one in your mind? Because I got no, a couple. Okay, okay, here we go. Ready? Which one? We are more than conquerors. We're not going to do that one today. Hey, let's do uh, Hail the Lamb uh, unto the King Eternal right there. Oh, I tell you what. Let's listen. Blessed be your name on a road marked with suffering. When there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Or blessed be your name. Blessed be your name when I'm found in that desert place and it is It's just to get to this part anyway. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to Blessed be your name on the road marked with suffering. When there's pain in the offering, blessed be your name. Every blessing you pour out, I'll turn back to praise this morning. And when the darkness closes in, Lord. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
taken away god is giving us more on top the lord takes away but he gives us more than he takes amen even in this season you give and take away you give and take away my heart will choose to say Make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and with virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. The tribulation, Father, presses the new wine out of us. Father, in this season, we just pray, Father, that we would continue to look toward you. Lord, let the new wine flow out of us, Father. Things that you take away, Father, help us trust, Lord, that you replace them with things even greater in our lives. Not earthly treasures, but spiritual treasures, Father. Let's sing it one more time. You give and take away. Lord, you give and take away. You give and take away. My heart will choose to say everybody y'all are dismissed we're gonna keep worshiping so stay as long as you want 
leave as fast as you want. Amen. Or as slow as you want. <laughs> Sing us something, Leah. Do the one you did earlier. the power of sin and darkness whose love is mighty and so much stronger the king of glory the king above all kings who shakes the whole earth with holy thunder and leaves us breathless in awe and wonder the king of glory the King above all kings. This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You would lay down your life. Now and be set free. Worthy is the Lamb who was slain. 